heads up, guys. I'm on Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Stand by. Roll sound. We better do this quick, then. I know. Just <laughs> pass out in the middle. <laughs> Roll camera. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to Artists Without a Clue, and this is episode three. I am Nidira, and I'm with Anisha and Luis. And today Hi. we have... Just least, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode, we are actually have a guest today. Finally, no, we actually have a guest today. Antoine, <laughs> and he is a he is currently the director of admissions at Cardinal Hayes, and he's also an award-winning filmmaker. So, hope you guys like our conversation. Welcome, Sean, to the Artists Without a Clue podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you and thank you for taking the time to join us and talk to us a little bit today. Um, just to kick things off right off the bat, um, just want to ask, like, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career trajectory? Yeah, well, well first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm definitely excited about the opportunity to speak and uh, yeah, hopefully some people learn some things about myself and if I can help anybody through this, uh, I'm excited to do so. Um, just a little bit about myself. My name is Sean Antoine II. I'm a writer, director, producer from Harlem, New York. Um, I'm also serving as the director of admissions at Cardinal Hayes High School where I am an alum. And uh, yeah, my, my intentions just as a filmmaker and also now as a director of admissions is to create opportunities and uh, even through my work to uh, inform and inspire people. So that's really what my purpose has been throughout my film career and uh, just continuing to find ways to uh, serve kind of my purpose and uh, continue, to, continue to do the things that I love and whatnot. Um, I started off at Cardinal Hayes where I was playing football, went to the University of Rhode Island, um, took on film as I was there playing football. And uh, from there on, I just continued to build, continue to put out projects, um, got a lot of attention uh, nationally, internationally for a lot of my works. And um, yeah, just continuing now to uh, develop new projects going into uh, now 2021 in the new decade. So I'm very excited and uh, I'm definitely happy where I am, but I know, you know, there's a long way to go. I am interested. How do you think you found your purpose through your work? That, that's one of the things that I've always really kind of hinted on or really spoke on a lot about. Um, I would really say the way I found my purpose just through my work was more so just by doing it. Uh, fortunately enough, now I can say I'm fortunate. Um, I went through like some really bad injuries in college, uh, continued to play and fight through it. But um, during that journey of trying to recover from my injuries, I was able to pick up something new. And I uh, fortunately enough, it ended up being something as amazing as filmmaking, um, where I'm able to, you know, use some of the skills I learned from uh, football and whatnot, um, and then just added it to uh, some of my creative things that I really wanted to pursue. And um, yeah, from that, you know, trial and error, constantly doing stuff, finding out what I like, you know, then I kind of formed, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about doing. Um, outside of money, outside of accolades, this is just something that I want to continue to do because, you know, I thought this is where I was most important and I was needed. So I would say that's how I found my purpose was more so through trial and error. What, so I'm hearing that, like you said, um, it was because of your injuries, you kind of like found like something else you were interested in because I'm, I'm assuming because you couldn't play it like that. You know what I mean? It, it was, it left a lot of room for you to um, do other stuff. Uh, what was that thing though? Or like, I was gonna, I'm assuming maybe like a class or like, what was, what sparked that interest basically though? Um, so I, you know, just briefly, I just touch on the, uh, just how it went. Um, I remember back in 2015, uh, I had like one of the best off seasons of my life. I gained maybe like 15 pounds. I was faster, stronger. Then the first day of spring football training camp, I tear my shoulder. Um, you know, went through a whole little journey. And uh, anybody that knows college sports, they understand uh, how much pressure it is on the athletes. Uh, so I went through this whole phase of where I was really down, maybe even depressed, and uh, I had to fight through it. Um, I ended up buying a camera that summer of 2015 going into the fall. And uh, on Black Friday, one of my friends invited me to a protest, my friend Kybria Morgan. Um, her, so her and some of her friends were protesting in 2015, the Black Lives Matter. And this is at the start of the movement. So it was a lot of backlash immediately talking about all lives matter. And uh, I was there, I had my, she asked me to take photos. Um, I ended up just starting the film because I was like, oh, this is, you know, maybe I'll get something interesting to put on like World Star or YouTube or something. Um, next thing you know, 
I'm filming these events, a lot of stuff, a lot of controversy downtown on uh, 14th Street, um, just about All Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter. And I'm just filming this stuff. I'm like, oh, this, maybe something will pop off or something will happen. And I had the footage. I go back to school at the University of Rhode Island and um, I meet this guy named Tony Balco. Uh, I walk in, he's basically the moderator or he runs this uh, computer lab at the school. I go there just to look at the footage. He looks over my shoulder and he sees what I'm, he asked me what I'm working on. I told him I just got some footage from this protest that was happening. Um, he asked me, you know, you know, would you be interested in making like a documentary? Like you should make it. I said, I don't know how to really use this software to edit. So over one week, he taught me how to use Premiere Pro. Um, I edited it every day for a week. Uh, and this was a week immediately following that protest. So just about a week after that protest happened, I made a short documentary. Uh, I put it up on Facebook. And uh, in one night, it got 25,000 views. Um, so that's where I was. That was the first dose of filmmaking. Uh, really, it was by coincidence. Um, somebody was like, hey, you should maybe just do something with this footage. And uh, yeah, from there on, it got 25,000 views, like I said. And then Yale hit me up and said, uh, we wanted to show this film at a film festival. So I was able to show it at an Ivy League school. And just from there on, I just constantly just kept creating work. Um, I kind of, for lack of words, I kind of really started to love it but not even just really love, I kind of gained this sort of intense attraction for it. Um, just for the thrill of, all right, cool, getting footage and editing, getting footage, editing. How do I see something? How can I convey messages through it? And then I just kept working at it. I ended up a couple months after that documentary going to India. And then I ended up putting out a documentary in India. And then just from there, it just kept building and building. So well, that's like really interesting because it's like, it was, that sounds so like, that's a very raw interest. You know what I'm saying? Like you didn't go through a class. You didn't have like a, you know, unless you did, like, I, you probably did go through classes or maybe you didn't, but I'm saying like to find that it wasn't, you know what I'm saying? You, you found it on your own. And that's like, I don't know, hearing you talk about it is like, it, it, it grabs people because it's like, you know that like you, you really like this stuff. You're really into this stuff. And I feel like we can all kind of relate to that feeling when it comes to um, things like that. 100%. I mean, just in general, um, and I'm very aware just of like how my initial story and introduction to filmmaking was, but um, just reflecting on that is just very interesting, just as creatives and artists, like everybody has like this unique story of how they kind of got into this path. How did they get, go along these lines to end up where they are, even, you know, where initially how they start for some. Um, so just in general, even like the way I started, you know, even now, now, what is it maybe now going into the sixth year of me being a filmmaker, it's really trying to understand my story, understand how that's really shaped who I am as an artist. And, um, you know, whenever I try to speak to people, I'm really trying to convey to them, yeah, this was my story and how I ended up here. But the journey was twists and turns, ups and downs, being in the right place at the right time. And uh, ultimately, it really was about just you know, trusting and just believing that, all right, cool, I'm supposed to be here, this is supposed to be happening. And uh, more so, for lack of words, really understanding just, you know, now what my purpose is and why everything really was happening, so. Like, so most of the projects that you do, you're telling your own story. So everything you do, is it like yours, like independently yours, like you've done it or like, yeah. do, have you worked with others and like maybe who have you worked with and what else have you done? Yeah, I've worked with people. Um, I collaborate pretty often. I, I would say when I say it's really through like my story, it's really more so, especially as like a director, is how do I view certain things? How would I shape this story? Um, and then even more so, how am I being able to convey the messages to people in you know my own unique way? Um, but yeah, I've worked with some, uh, some pretty amazing people um, throughout my film journey, whether it was people I was in school with, um, to then now most recently working with, uh, you know, I guess you could say the most recent is now with the school I'm at, Cardinal Hayes, showing that uh, the history of the Turkey Bowl and those, you know, traditions in the Bronx. But, um, you know, more notably working with people like Nate Parker, people who are in the industry, uh, interning for companies. So I've usually had uh, some great opportunities to collaborate with people to try to consolidate our, our ideas to, uh, you know, create art. So since you were starting off with kind of like um, individual guerrilla filmmaking, how was it transitioning to something bigger like on a set and something a bit more professional? Yeah, um, like I said before, I was really aware of how like I started very unorthodox. Um, I really wasn't going through training through like classes. I didn't really have any specific mentors starting off. Um, so when I did have opportunities to get on sets, intern at different companies, I got a chance to really understand uh, 
you know, how the business works. Um, more so when you step on the big time sets or sets that have a lot more money, it's a lot more organized. Um, the more lower budget, you know, it's not as organized. So you really have to adapt. For some, I've seen they can't really do it as much and they need to surround themselves with a lot more people. But I would really say to, uh, you know, to credit football, um, really understanding the system for lack of words and understanding, all right, this is how I insert myself into these environments. Um, you know, just to relate it, it's like, imagine, you know, you're a freshman going into a varsity football program. You know, there's already an establishment, there's hierarchy of who's what and whose jobs and duties are. And then you kind of are fitting in where you need it. Um, but, you know, just more so just speaking on like bigger sets and just, you know, more prominent sets, it's really the organization. Uh, I mean, that's key. And even now, like as I'm working on a lot more of my independent guerrilla style things, it's all right, how organized can I be within these chaotic environments? You know, this chaotic environment that I'm trying to produce in. Um, so really just trying to be a lot more organized. And that's really what it showed me. Um, if you want to get something high quality, something that's uh, your vision, for lack of words, you really have to pay attention to details. You really have to have the right people there to have the right mentalities. And even in, in addition to that, you have to make sure that everybody um, is doing their job. Everybody's there for a reason. And more so when you see on a lot of lower budget, you know, films that even, you know, I've done, um, you try to wear so many hats. And then when you step onto something that's a lot bigger and a lot bigger sets, a lot bigger environments as far as film and just production in general, everybody has a role. So when you're trying, you know, trying to do everything on your own, it's tough. You might not be the best producer, but you can hire somebody who's a better producer. You might not be the best director or DP, but all right, cool. This is where this other person who's good can step in and I can step back and trust them in my vision. So that's really what I've learned um, through my experiences on being on bigger sets and productions. Kind of just hearing you talk about your unorthodox journey, um, it's really really like it hits home for me a little bit um because I personally I work in advertising and I had the realization of what I wanted to do like during COVID very unfortunate time to have that realization so hearing you um I don't know like not have like necessarily have gone through like the taking classes and taking that very traditional trajectory um it's very inspiring and very meaningful to me so I really appreciate you sharing that. So I just want to put, just want to put that there first. Um, I also do like on that note, like you mentioned kind of being within spaces that you're kind of like, oh, I have to try to find my place within this space. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, like as someone who's also going through that unorthodox kind of trajectory, um, what would you say to people who are like in that position and kind of trying to navigate that space a little bit more um, especially when you don't have like, you're not like the huge, yeah. the big director right off bat. Yeah. Um, and I've had conversations with some of my friends. We're all, you know, somewhat trying to immerse ourselves into like these bigger environments with, um, you know, just with a lot more happening in regards to film and production. Uh, I would really say it's really the biggest thing. Um, and I, I really can apply, think this can apply for just about anything, any career is that you know, you have to understand that you're stepping into something that's already established. If you build something, okay, cool, that's yours. But when you're trying to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, you got to take a step back sometimes. You got to understand and read the room and then understand and react. Uh, for some people, it's very difficult, like trying to be in spaces where you have to work with other people, especially if you haven't done it in, or you haven't done it at all. Um, you know, it can be problematic, not in a sense of that it can harm others, but even more so for you, you're just not comfortable. And uh, I would really say, you know, really understanding and trusting the process. The biggest thing is that people will step into environments like a big set and not really have a plan. You know, something that's realistic, but also more so something that's planned out. So something, you know, just something that's realistic is more so just saying that, all right, this is my journey. This is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. This is how I'm going to get there. So a lot of times if you're fortunate enough to get on the production or just in general to be in an environment with other creatives, you got to understand what are you trying to really get out of this? What are you trying to possibly be at after the fact? And um, I would say for a lot of people like stepping into film, TV, or just entertainment, you're dealing with a lot of creatives. You're dealing with a lot of people that want to get stuff done. So if you're not on the same mission as them, 
then you're kind of stepping out of the box, stepping out, you know, you're, you're kind of excusing yourself from an opportunity. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is, especially for a lot of people, if you're trying to really be a part of something that you want to better yourself, especially in something like film, you have to understand that it's collaborative, but it's also like, it's progressive. It takes time. It takes time to get to a certain, you know, plateau or level. I did want to ask real quick. I did uh, check a look at your website and I saw that you had a lot of projects uh, last year in 2020. How was it trying to make projects during a time when, you know, it was very difficult for people in that field? Yeah. Um, and I actually had a chance to speak to somebody on a, uh, it's kind of like a conference call, a couple of people from Sundance and stuff. And they were speaking about that, how it's been very tough um, for a lot of people to create during uh, 2020 in the pandemic. Absolutely. Um, and I completely understand that. And a lot of my friends, we kind of took it as, uh, you know, an opportunity. One, a lot of us weren't working. Um, we were on un unemployment and everything. And we had our cameras, we had our gear. And we were saying, you know what, let's just go film whatever we want. You know, there's no restraints, there's no pressure right now because everybody's under the same circumstances. So for me, I looked at it, all right, what do I want to create? What are the stories I want to tell? And I took it as such. Um, so yeah, I would say literally during the pandemic, it was just like, you know what, I got an idea, let's just go shoot. Like one of the films I actually made called uh, Lazarus is Gone. Um, I'm literally in my house. My mother calls me, she's like, did you hear on 125th Street, there's a fire at Lazarus? I'm like, wow, I go on the phone, I'm on social media, I'm seeing, I'm like, yeah, I live right around the corner. I grabbed my camera. I was like, I, I wanted to just shoot black and white. I don't know why, I was just like, let me just shoot some black and white stuff on my DS or my mirrorless camera. I shot it, I got some great reactions. It was a lot of people, there was a lot going on. And then the next day I had a turnaround of, all right, cool, this is my idea and I just released it. So I was really just, you know, throughout that year, really 2020, I had some slated projects that I wanted to do and then there was just a lot of content that just kept coming up. And I was like, you know what? You know, unapologetically, I'm just gonna release this. I'm gonna see what people think. And I, you know, I kind of gained confidence throughout the year. You know, as more people see me creating, um, as even more so, I saw myself being able to put in that work and just see myself confident, like, all right, cool. I, li I like this and I wanna release this. So I, throughout the year, I was just like, all right, cool. I did that already. And then now I wanna do this, I can do it. So I just constantly built, built confidence throughout the year. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to tell stories. So that's how I was able to do it throughout 2020. Okay, so you said that you and your friends, you guys have your cameras, you have your stuff, you know, you still wanna just go out. A lot of you guys weren't working uh, during the whole uh, pandemic, but again, you have your stuff, you can just go, you don't have to like go rent anything. What What's in your own kit? And like, what's like the must haves? What's some things that are like, this is really nice to have. Yeah. Um, what's your camera as well? Like what, what camera are you using? And then if you don't mind, like if it's not too much information, like what's the budget looking like, or rather what's like a good starting budget you would say, like this is what maybe like a range of things would cost and just like, yeah, give us the spiel. To be honest with you, like, and I'm looking just as how I started and where I'm at now filmmaking wise, I kind of picked up my own style of like, all I need is a, uh, a DSLR, but now I have a mirrorless, but, um, and I need a zoom lens, a lens that I can constantly just move around with and shoot a lot. And uh, a shotgun mic. You need a shotgun mic. I've learned throughout the years as I'm constantly editing. If my sound isn't good, then, you know, it's tough. You got to get a lot more creative. Yeah. So I would say having a shotgun mic, a camera, uh, more so I would say now if you can get a mirrorless, get it. But if you don't, just get any DSLR. Um, Canons are amazing. I'm currently using Sony. But um, really just about anything that can capture something, um, you'll be good. I, I would say more so must have equipment. It's not as much as the equipment, it's more so the story you're trying to tell. And I had to learn that when I was starting off, yo, I, want, I was just buying so much stuff. And the worst thing I was doing was buying stuff brand new. Not knowing what I wanna do with the equipment, but I'm just buying stuff. So what I did now and even more so is like, all right, cool. What are some things that I can just get and I can tell a wide range of stories? So now currently I have a Sony a7S II. Um, it's a mirrorless camera, it's great. And then I invested in a Sony G series 35 to 70 lens. Um, it's an amazing lens. It gives me zoom capabilities, fast autofocus. Um, and I have a Sennheiser shotgun mic. Um, so yeah, th that's currently what I'm using. I would say, honestly, budget wise, if you wanna just get a camera, 
with a zoom lens, a thousand dollars could get you, you know, some of the best stuff, even really, to be honest with you, if you buy a used, you may be able to get some great equipment for maybe $700. Like, but even then I'm, I'm just throwing wide range numbers at you really find the stuff that you can just get the job done. All the other stuff will get better as you get better. You'll constantly buy equipment. You'll never really stop buying equipment. And, you know, as you grow, you know what stories you want to tell. You gain more clarity in that. Then you'll be able to uh, differentiate what's some good stuff that you want versus uh, what's some stuff that's not needed. What's the difference between, or I guess not the difference, but like a DSLR versus a DSLR mirrorless? Yeah, yeah so more so mirrorless just gives you a lot more like low light capabilities. Um, more so the Sony's are really more so mirrorless now. They have their own style and unique look. Um, so I would really say that's my opinion on what's the big difference. Um, but yeah, I, I would prefer right now. It, it's really just looks and Sony just gives you just so much more capabilities right now, which like as a documentarian and just a filmmaker, I'm just trying to constantly, I see something I want to capture. it. So I don't want to be restrained just by like, oh, it's too dark outside or I don't have enough light. If I see something and I have a moment, I just want to shoot. So that's really more so with DSLRs for me. It gives me that capability versus uh, any kind of just regular DSLR. So that's the best uh, option for me right now. I'm glad you're saying that because um, one of the, I'm trying to save up for a camera, not trying, I am saving up for a camera right now. Okay. Um, and uh, the series I'm also looking at is a Sony Alpha. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that, I would say that's maybe the best series right now for any like digital style camera. Like Sony is, uh, I would say they're changing the game. And even when I, I was working on the blacklist for uh, for about a year and a half, uh, we shot completely on Sony cameras. They're trying to really make sure that, all right, we're giving people just so much more capabilities through our cameras. And I appreciate it. And even the fact that they have like stuff like handheld that you can use versus the major studio style camera. So, you know, Sony is doing some great things. And me personally, I would love to be an advocate for Sony. So if you buy Sony, go to me. What is sponsored too, it's fine. Thank you for sharing that about the camera. I'm also looking into camera. Um, so taking mental notes here, taking mental notes. Um, I do want to ask, since you mentioned this um, just now, um, I know you mentioned you did the uh, you were an intern at the apprenticeship. Um, first of all, congratulations on that. Um, but I was wondering, like, how did you go about like landing that internship or any other internships? Like, how did you really navigate that space? And um, like, what was your process like? Yeah, so I had the opportunity um, back in 2016 to intern at uh, this company, production company back in the days. It, was, it wasn't as big as a production company as it is now, but it was called Macro. Um, so basically they made the movie Fences. They have this new movie coming out called Judas and the Black Messiah with Danny Kaluuya and Lakeith Sanfield. Um, Sorry to bother you. So yeah, they made some great films, but at the time they were a smaller production company. Um, I was about to intern in, uh, at HBO with the show Ballers and everything. And then somebody told me, hey, you shouldn't do that. You should go intern for this company for free out in LA. I didn't have any money. Um, but somebody said, hey, you'll get the free internship, but you should just take the opportunity. Like you won't get paid, but find a way to get money to go to LA. Um, I was able to raise money from people in my neighborhood. I went out to LA, worked with them. So that was my first internship experience out in LA. Um, recently with the Blacklist as an apprentice, um, which was an amazing opportunity, very thankful for them. Uh, it really just happened by a sudden chain of events once again. Um, I was finishing up just a film festival kind of tour, uh, just showing my film at a bunch of festivals throughout the country. And then as I finished that, I was looking for a job in the city. Um, nobody was hiring me, which I was very disappointed about. I got turned down from maybe like three or four different producer assistant jobs. And uh, I'm like, man, I don't have a job. My career says everything is film. Me graduating out of college, it says my only work experience is film. And uh, yeah, one of my boys who's a producer on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel's, um, he called me, he said, hey, the Blacklist is hiring an office assistant. I know you, you know, you have your experience as a producer's assistant, it's a step down, but yeah, you just need a job. Just get in the, get in the room. It's like, all right, whatever. I did the interview, I got the job. So I'm an office assistant with the Blacklist. Um, they needed a driver for the executive producer of the show, uh, Miss Laura Benson. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I ended up going and uh, picking her up every morning before set. 
for uh, I believe it might have been three weeks. So me and her built a great relationship. Uh, three weeks into doing the uh, office assistant job, she said, uh, I don't really want you doing this job anymore. And uh, she saw my films and she was like, yo, you're talented. She's like, yeah, you're not going to do this job anymore. You're going to be I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna be my mentee. So I ended up being her mentee. And uh, for a year and a half, I kind of immersed myself into uh, an apprenticeship with The Blacklist where I was shadowing her and uh, as well as the other producers on the show for a year and a half. And then also I shadowed the directors that came on and uh, the other department heads. So yeah, it was really just like, literally even that fact that I was able to uh, start off as an office assistant where I was pissed off. I was actually really mad. Um, you know, just because of ego, I would say, but even more so, I was like, I know my friends that got other jobs being like these assistants, like I literally have the same qualifications. I've done this, I've done that, but I wasn't getting hired by anybody for whatever reasons. It's difficult. I understand it's a tough industry. I was like, wow, not one, like I interviewed for four and uh, I took a lesser job, but you know, I was in the space. I was in, I was able to work the room, meet the right people. And, uh, yeah, she took a shot on me and gave me an opportunity. And um, yeah, that's really how I landed that apprenticeship. But really, it was really just for anybody. It's really navigating these spaces and really just being open. Um, my grandfather, who, whom I spoke to this week, he said, uh, just giving me advice for like my new job. He said, you know, be friends with everyone. Uh, don't make any enemies while you're, you know, especially in entertainment, everybody knows anyone. But more so, you want to be liked by everyone more so. But you want to make sure you're not, throwing any dirt on anyone's name, you're progressive, you're someone that people look forward to seeing every day. And even on top of that, you know, you're an addition to whatever is established. You don't wanna be taken away from whatever is already there. You wanna be somebody that's adding to it. You wanna add positive things. And I would say, fortunately enough, just my ment mentality going into these different internships, even the apprenticeship was, all right, I'm here, I'm thankful for the opportunity. And uh, I wanna make sure that I'm adding to whatever is here. I don't wanna be taking away, I don't wanna be trying to change too much, but I want to make sure that I'm a positive acquisition or just even in addition to uh, whatever is established there. That's definitely like really, really good advice. And I think like on our last like episode, we were kind of like touching on like networking and kind of um, as you're entering spaces, it's not only about like what you can take from that opportunity, but kind of like what you bring to the table. So especially yeah. hearing it from like someone who's in the field and who's navigated those spaces and gotten those chances, um, it's really helpful to kind of hear that re reaffirmation. Is yeah. that the word? I think that's the word. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely like really helpful to like hear that. And um, yeah, it, I just, it, I've heard a lot from people it, that the field is a lot of zigzaggy. You never really know where you're going to end up. And it's, yeah, Absolutely. like- and I would say just one more thing, because I think even what I said may be just a little misleading. Um, the biggest thing, even with networking and even like along the journey of like, which I went on, um, was I wasn't trying to level up through my relationships with people. I was really trying to build with everybody I knew. So everybody that was at the same level, maybe just a little bit ahead of me, I was trying to build with these people. I was working on projects with them. I was meeting with them. I was trying to really make sure that everybody here we're going to be the future of quote unquote Hollywood. We're going to be the future creators. So like the biggest thing was like, I know these executives, they know who I am, but I wanted to make sure that even, you know, maybe this is the football kinking back and I'm a leader and also I'm a team player. So everybody with me, it ain't just me. Yeah. I'll get like the, uh, Oh, you did this, that, but everybody with me was putting in work. We were all really on the same mission. So um, it was really that networking, uh, you know, side, everybody next to me, we were really trying to all build our own kind of village. So um, I really think that's important for a lot of people to understand, especially trying to network, navigate internships. Those who you're interning with, give it a few years, they'll be the, uh, the assistants. Give it another decade, they'll be the executives. They'll be the big directors. They'll be the ones making decisions. And you never really want to lose sight of that. And uh, it's easy to do that in something that's competitive with entertainment, but it's really important to understand that you know, everybody has their own journey. Everybody is constantly trying to move forward. At least if you're trying to, you know, make something out of it, you're really just trying to push forward, take the necessary steps forward. So it's really important to build with those around you. Okay. Also, maybe like, what's your, like, what's, I was gonna say, what's the dream? But I feel like sometimes that question's a little, eh, because your dream can definitely change throughout. Your goals can definitely change throughout. Because once you reach something, it's like, what's next? But I guess like mm -hmm. at the moment, like what is like, 
you would say is the dream for you no matter what like it can change of course but just like what is that right now I would say the dream right now um is really to really find out more so where do I fit in in the grand scheme of everything um fortunately enough now I have even a new job and role um, which I would say plays to kind of my purpose too is uh, as the director of admissions at my old high school um the dream ultimately with that and just as a whole in addition to film is really to create opportunities. Um, I understand, you know, filmmaking is, you know, maybe it may seem as like who I am, but it's more so turned into something as this is what I do. You know what I mean? But I would say more so even along with my purpose, you know, film wasn't my purpose or isn't my purpose. It's more so I believe it's more so to, like I said, to create opportunities, to really use myself and my filmmaking as kind of a vehicle to inform and inspire. Um, so I would really say really the dream is constantly trying to just build that and really get more people on, on deck, get more people uh, chasing their dreams, more people informed about stuff. Um, I, I would really say that's the dream. I, I, I really try not to really get so in depth and really specific as far as things that I want to accomplish because everything that I've been able to do None of this was planned out. Right. Nothing has been planned mm -hmm. out. Nothing I've expected and everything has just been all right, just me pushing forward. And uh, I would say, you know, just trying to stick with that is uh, is key for me. And um, I would say ultimately that's my dream. Just to get more people involved and inform, inform them of what's going on and how they can possibly apply that to their lives. And uh, if I do that, um, I think my dream will uh, have come true, so. Thank you, Mr. Anton, for uh, talking to us today and just joining us and giving us just so much insight, um, a different perspective, and just, you know, taking the time out. Um, I think I speak for all of us when I say that, like, we appreciate this 100%. Like, again, we are just, like, <laughs> we're trying to find, we're trying to find the information. We're trying to figure out, like, what did other people do? We're trying to, like, see, you know, like, what can we do? And, like, give facts and then not only for us, but for everyone else who listens to our show, you know? So and I, I'm definitely thankful for you guys having me. Um, it's important that, you know, just as us as young creatives, young, young people that are going to do some amazing things in the future, we got to be able to uh, have these conversations, uh, pass on information to one another, just, you know, to continue to move forward and to definitely bring people on deck. As I said before, uh, if we want to all attain the necessary uh, goals and, the things that we want, we all got to be able to apply information from one another. So I'm definitely thankful for this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that are listening, you guys can check out his website at www.seanantonii.com. That'll uh, be S-H-A-W-N-A-N-T-O-I-N-E-I-I.com. You guys should definitely check it out. Another big thank you to Sean Antoine. That was definitely a very insightful conversation and we hope you enjoyed it. Um, next on our agenda is kind of something he touched on. Um, he did mention that he kind of fell into this by starting off with social commentary and documentaries about the BLM movement. So, you know, as people of color in this industry, like, it's very important to, like, to figure out and you know, to really talk about who gets to tell our stories. And um, I know me and Idea personally have a connection to this because, um, well, you went in the class, but in one of my old classes, um, we had a guest who was um, an inspiring filmmaker and um, a black man. And it kind of got us thinking like, you know, like, um, as minorities, you know, we're slowly getting more and more representation and slowly it's getting better and better. And, you know, it's kind of on us to tell our versions of our stories and to tell like, a realistic portrayal. So, yeah, um, you know, we're all very new to this. And obviously we have seen a lot of bad depictions of ourselves. So, you know, do you think it's like on us to be the, the sole interpreters or to, you know, like just better our interpretations of ourselves in media? I was gonna think about it a little bit, but I also just like how you worded that last part, kind of like um, bettering the expectations for ourselves in media, which I think people are doing a lot more. Like, I feel like, I, at least like amongst like friend groups and things like that, like, people do make the commentary like, okay, why did, why is this always like, um, um, I guess like a, stere a stereotype, I didn't wanna use stereotype, but I guess why is there always like a stereotypical role or stereotypical like one or two roles? I do think that there's 
more variety in roles now for people of color, but at the same time, there's also still, it's still there. If that makes sense, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, like you, like there's still some movies that you watch and you're just kind of like, hmm, yeah. really? That's the same, yeah. you know what I mean? And then my question at times becomes like, when is that okay? And when is that not okay? Like, when does it become like, no, this is something I'm portraying it this way because this is something that's accurate versus why couldn't you find another like way or why couldn't you find another like story? I remember I was having this discussion with someone and um, I was like, you know, you see, we've seen a lot of like diversity and inclusion programs and stuff like that and just like efforts to be more diverse. And for me personally, I think it's like twofold. I think the first layer is obviously having people of color and marginalized communities in those spaces because they can tell their stories and the different sides to it and be like, hey, you know, like not all people are like this in this group. Like there's so many, there's so much variations of stories within that. And I think that the second fold is the accuracy and how genuine you speak to the deep. But what if like, that's not, hmm. I guess on a very like concrete level, I'm from Harlem, right? There's a lot that goes on in Harlem and I'm a filmmaker, but I travel the world to go make films in other places. Like I go to a completely different country to make films just because I want to, like I want to take my camera and go shoot my travel vlog, you know? And none of it, and none of it, you ever see Harlem or anything like that. And I feel like there's some people well, no, I'm going to leave it at that. Like, what do you guys think about that? And like, I never touch upon home in my area. I never tell a story that people would expect of me almost. Yeah, Kind of like, yeah, like, like, like if Jordan Peele made a movie that wasn't completely casted with people who are black, would people make commentary on that? Are you kind of doing an injustice to kind of the communities you belong to or whatever, or like whatnot, if you don't speak to that, if you don't speak about the experiences of that community, are you, cause like, let's say like, are you saying like, if I, like one of us like makes it, like make it into like that big Hollywood and we get the chance to like make this blockbuster movie and we don't take that chance to then talk about like the poverty that exists in like the communities yeah. that we're a part of or something like that or shed light to those bigger stories are we doing an injustice to it is that what you're yeah. saying right so say if one of us i'm not saying any of us will but say if one of us like like exactly like you said had the opportunity to make this big budget movie and everything was our creative decision and we casted it very like like i don't know like now that i say it it sounds dumb because it's like well why wouldn't you into i don't think it's dumb though i, I don't think it's dumb. yeah like i don't know like i always because... think about that i'm like where's like is there a pressure do other people feel pressured that would have been perfect action <laughs> what you're creating like okay you started this way do you feel like you can then branch out do you not feel like you can branch out do you feel the need to only do a certain amount of work or not a certain amount of work but a certain um a certain type of content. Uh, yeah. The thing is, um, okay, everyone has a different path to get to where they're going. So if you need to, I feel like if you need to do stuff that's more mainstream and doesn't outright help your community to start off, that's not on you. You shouldn't feel pressured to help your community from the start. And obviously if you want to, then you absolutely should, you should do whatever you can, but that doesn't mean that you know, it's only on you because you're not the only person trying to uplift your community. Personally, I do plan on helping my community, but I don't plan on telling, you know, um, strictly Hispanic stories because that's just not what I want to do. I have ideas for movies that are horror movies, um, period pieces, sci-fi. I and you know, I, I'm I'm not going to do what I can to diversify that and to have a diverse cast and um, a diverse crew, but I'm not going to stick to telling like you know like um, sad stories about deportation or you know the shadows of immigrants. But at the same time, I'm still planning on doing everything I can to help my community. Like my plan is to help with um, schools, to help with funding, to help with like, centers that you know like, would help the people in that community better themselves and Using find the their passion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I think you can still help your community without outright representing them in every single thing you do. And there's definitely a pressure to do that because again, like as people of color, 
seeing people who aren't ourselves is a norm. It's, you know, it's what we expect whenever we, just, we watch something to see. And even, even though we're just starting to break out into that field, that doesn't mean I think personally that we have to further it in strides with every single thing we do. I think it's okay we take baby steps. And I think we need to stop pressuring ourselves to try to make every single thing we do a movement. Yeah. Because if we do that, we're gonna lose focus. Sorry, I kind of cut you no, off there. Yeah, I, no, 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 I, th- I agree with everything you said. I do, th- I have thought a lot about that question, Nadira, so I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I even like was thinking about like the other day, like in the shower, <laughs> like deep thoughts. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that's something I definitely um, thought about and put a lot of thought into. I think like where I'm kind of coming where I personally come from is that I do feel that pressure. I'm not gonna lie. I won't sit here and lie to you. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm Indo-Caribbean and I'm like, I was born and raised in the South Bronx, went to high school in Harlem. And, you know, I, we have a whole bunch of like diversity within all those different spaces. Um, the way I have tried to get myself to kind of release some of that pressure um, is I think of it like in two different kind of ways. Like the first one is that, um, Honestly, just your existence is making that statement in and of itself, especially within Mm -hmm. that field. Like the fact that you are there and you are present and you are occupying space that isn't necessarily quote unquote supposed to traditionally be meant for you or aren't usually taken up by people of color and marginalized communities. I think that that is a huge statement in and of itself. Like you are making a statement there. And just like with um, like, everything happening in the world when you see representation and you're like even though like they might be acting a role or something in a film you see yourself there and you're like wow that is something that is possible for someone like me and other people of color so I think like that's the first thing that I tell myself um and also like the second thing that I tell myself is that even if I do talk about like traveling the world, like for your example, like, you know, and doing that vlog, I think that everyone's experiences really translates through their craft um, in some way. Um, and I think that whether that's how you choose to tell your story, how you, the, the shots you want to take or what you want to uplift and what you choose to focus on in your travel vlog, even if it's not necessarily talking about the hardcore issues of the communities you belong to, I think that that kind of, it's still apparent. Like, like for me, like even like I'm in the Caribbean, I'm from um, the South Bronx and I have humble beginnings, but my purpose or like part of the things I wanna do is empower communities. So if that's me traveling abroad and talking about someone else's empowerment and another marginalized community, or even if it's nothing of that sort, I feel like that mentality is still there, even if it's very loose throughout what I, the work I wanna create or something. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, I, I completely agree. <laughs> I like what you're saying. Yeah, but it's definitely hard. I do feel you on that. I do feel the even, yeah, even me telling you now. I, yeah, yeah oh, it's yeah. just like a, I guess like a, I don't. It almost feels like um, like I said before, responsibility. Like a weird pressure, but it's like a pressure you put on yourself that no one else is putting on you, but it's there because it's just like Ugh, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. I, I feel like it's kind of a sense of guilt too. You know, like we get this opportunity and we feel like we have to do it, even though have to do you know with it, right? Exactly. Yeah you're here now, like, what are you going to do? And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's <laughs> and like, I feel like, can, yeah, that's, that's definitely something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let me think and about this. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we don't talk about it enough because I feel like that's definitely something that people of color in this industry feel, um, like the sense of survivors don't, that, you know, the quote unquote standard, you know, of white people in this industry don't feel, you know? And I feel that's put, that puts even more pressure on us, which is, it just makes it harder for us to succeed. Right. I was also going to ask that, but I, I never know if that's like too, too direct. I'm like, I wonder if like people who aren't of color feel that like, do you feel like you are pressured to tell any type of story? You're just like, I'm going to tell any type of story I want to tell. And there's nothing, nothing yeah. else in the background. It's just like, just do it. I'm just like, hmm, I got to do it and see what else I can do. Like that's how it feels. Like I got to do it and see what else I can do. Yeah, guys, I completely understand with everything you just said. And speaking of trying to be creative, like how have your journeys been in trying to find a job? Like what's been going on with you guys? Um, well, for me, I'm still at Chick-fil-A, fortunately. Not unfortunately, <laughs> fortunately, unfortunately, I am still at Chick-fil-A. But um, I 
also got a great opportunity not too long ago with uh, someone texting me from the internship I did last summer, summer before, I don't know how to really phrase that, not um, 2020 summer. And um, she texted me and was just like, hey, are you like free like these couple of days? And I got to be on a commercial. I didn't, I wasn't on a commercial. I got to be on set of a commercial, which was pretty cool, pretty interesting. Um, I was like a, I, I was a production assistant, but I was driving around this cargo van I realized that I can drive a cargo van, you guys. Production <laughs> put on your resume if you can drive those, because apparently not everyone can drive those. And I was just oh, like, okay. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, it was pretty cool. It I a lot of people were saying that this season, like when was it? Sometime in December. Um, before was it before Christmas? It might have been before Christmas, and. Uh, I kept getting told like this this wasn't a normal season that we you know film in this is not normal like it's freezing outside but it's the fact that production is trying to I think get in what they can when they can um it was so cold so I'm happy that I was like a cargo van driver because a lot of times like if I wasn't helping outside I was definitely staying on that truck because I'm just like I need to watch a truck by um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty cool um just being on another set, it was only for a few days. Um, yeah, I met some people, connections, you know, all, always really good. I got this DP's number, he was a DP on set and he told me that, um, he said that it was it was really good to see someone like me, like a black woman interested in being in the department that he's in because it's not a lot. He doesn't see it often and he was super into trying to help, he was just like, please give me your information, like text me your information. Like, I wanna, you know, I wanna talk to you. And he's like, I think I have something in March. Like, I would love to see if I can get you on that. And I was just like, that's great. girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, yeah. So I'm like, that's something to look forward to. Um, other than that, I've just been like responding to like posts I find on Facebook. There's been like a couple of things. I found this woman who just wanted people of color's voices unpaid and I was just like I don't care I was like I can, do that. <laughs> I can record from home whatever you need and she's like awesome thank you and so hopefully that's actually a thing um and yeah just you know finding it where I can find it and that's, that's great so yeah. amazing round of applause to you that's I'm amazing also, um certified COVID compliance officer. I was gonna yeah, I saw that. I saw on Instagram. Yeah. I was like, I messaged you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which feels great. I don't really I know what to do, but I'm like, I don't really know what to do yet. <laughs> Listen, that's just be that's just what being an adult is. You're figuring uh, that out. Right. Yeah. So, you know Literally. make it till you make it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Good on you. Good on you. I'm like smiling so hard. Like that was like <laughs> the best news I've heard. <laughs> yeah, you guys. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's great. What about you, Luis? What oh, you well, okay. So I kind of like, um, not in the lie, I got tired of all the rejections. So right now I'm taking a mental health break. I'm just saving my money up until I have um, decent funds to really buy myself my own equipment. Um, my dad's in a car so I can finally learn how to drive and I can add that to my resume because I know that's like, I saw that's a thing. So I'm, I'm working on that. And I just, I realized that because of um, the halt of production and how hard it is for new people to break in, I'm going to need to save some money up. And then once I have enough saved up, I'm going to just suck it up and get an unpaid internship somewhere if I can find it. I'm just going to keep looking for paid ones. But if I can find an unpaid one somewhere that has a good foot in the door op option for me, I'm going to take it and work part-time at my other job. So I didn't like just, you know, like just start something out. Because I feel it's, it's I, I'm putting too much pressure on myself to just break out of it and go straight to the top. And I need to like, you know, give myself a break, I think. I also love your, um, just kind of like, I guess you're changing your mindset. Like, no, I need to like, I guess be more open to things that are unpaid. Because on one hand, it's just kind of like, no one wants that. No one wants to kind of be doing work yeah. out there you're not being paid for it. It feels kind of like, uh, at first, but like, once you get into it, once you make some connections with people that you intern with, like 
it'll feel like something and then it'll it'll feel worth it especially if you are working part-time because especially with things going on now like stuff is still remote a lot of things still aren't really meaning that much in person so hopefully you will find something where you can like really connect with people they can ask you to do some stuff you have your editing software I'm like yeah yeah, I feel like it's hard. That's why I'm also mentioning it because I know, I know I'm also the same. I, I need the reassurance. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I'm not being paid. What is this? Like we all have to group. go through it. Yes. yes. Yeah, we have like a little support group going on right now. That's what this podcast is. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <for> us. Yeah. No, I feel you. And I hear you on the driving thing, Louise. Like, I also, someone told me, I also realized, I was like, oh my God, like driving is a huge thing because you need to be able to. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're paying stuff, just it's just very convenient. Like Nigeria said, the cargo man, like, you know, you need to learn. Exactly. Add that to my resume. Yep. And so, like, I'm also on a venture. That's one of my goals. Um, yeah. To learn how to drive and stuff. Yeah. I've, I've kind of been in the boat of finding, because I work full time and it's really difficult mm-hmm. um, to kind of find the time to apply to things. Um, but I have been trying to find that motivation. Um, still searching, you know what I mean, trying to reach out to people. I think a huge amount of my time, apart from being a full-time employee, is I'm working on my project on the side. And as Sean mentioned, like, when you're the person kind of really heading it, it's a lot of hats that you're juggling. So I'm, like, Mm -hmm. the person overseeing the editing and, like, coordinating the shoots and all that stuff. It's a lot of work, um, but that's kind of getting some footing. So I'm really happy to see that. Um, but yeah, it's been occupying a huge amount of my time and I'm trying to kind of bridge, like create like a schedule for myself where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. from this time to this time, you're going to work. From this time to this time, work on the project because that's also really important. Um, have I been sticking to that schedule is a whole other conversation, but definitely still trying because I feel like it's just very important. I don't know. It's like, I want to make those moves. So I might as well just... I have to work towards that somehow, even if it's me like looking at jobs or whatever, but it's been kind of hard, um, not gonna lie. No, yeah, I mean, understandable. It's yeah. definitely- I'm sure all of us know here. Yeah, <laughs> with rough. the timing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, yeah. like this hour and this hour, I'm going to do this. And it's like, mm, you do it for like 30 minutes and you're like, ah, maybe, yeah, like, I, I don't, don't know. Even, <laughs> sometimes I don't even hit the 30 minute mark. I'm like in it for like yeah. 10 minutes and I'm like, I'm gonna go take a nap. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what I need right now. <laughs> Okay, listeners, bad advice. Do your work. Do your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Follow Nidira and Luis. Be productive. <laughs> I okay. I will say I learned. I learned recently. Waiting to motivation is a bad idea because you will never feel motivated. That you will rarely feel motivated. So I just said, I've just told myself stop being a little bitch and just do it anyway, because otherwise I would never do anything. Like I, I hate it. I hate doing it, but I'm gonna do it anyway because otherwise I won't move. actually I don't know if it's a statistic I could just be making that up but she told me that she read somewhere that like if you have a thought and you need to do something you it's best to like kind of just get up right away and do it um so that way you just kind of don't fall back but I know that like Louise you mentioned that you've taken like some mental break time and all that stuff have I know for me I've been watching a lot of shows been catching up on some good stuff um what have you guys been up to have you guys been listening to that kind of stuff or what have you guys been up to any recommendations there <laughs> for anyone who's trying to um, my time <laughs> yeah i okay so i recently moved to netflix from youtube premium so i actually recently started binging cobra kai and oh. it was <laughs> I went into it expecting the show that I would hate watch and you know just laugh at and it's surprisingly really good. Like I watched <laughs> the entire first season in one day and like I just went straight to the second one right after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um that's what I've been doing with my mental health break, you know, binging that show and now I really want to learn like martial arts. So let's see how that goes. Nice. I'll, I'll update you guys if I actually decide to do that. <laughs> Yes, please give us a little, like, what is it? Is it Yelp? It's not Yelp. Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> a Rotten Tomatoes personal review, please. <laughs> I got you. Okay, so I personally, like, obviously it was, like, a decade and a half before I was born, but I, I like the 80s aesthetic. You know, like, Stranger Things is, like, my shit. You know, I, I love the 80s movies, and I, I like to put a movie when I watched it. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll check it out, because, you know, people have been telling me to watch it, 
And it's obviously it's more modernized, but it still keeps that aesthetic a little bit. And the writing is actually surprising. You know, it's it's obviously it's a little schlocky, you know, like you know, it's very overdramatic because it's about karate at high school. But surprisingly, like the characters it has are actually pretty pretty well developed and the narration is pretty decent. And you know, the acting from the two main guys from the karate kid are actually is actually a lot better than I expected it to be. You know, props to them for, you know, being good after a few decades of, you know, playing themselves. I say check it out. Yeah, I'm like, you've, you've kind of convinced me a little bit. I might actually have to check it out. <laughs> um, what about you, Nigeria? Um, so recently, I think the movie that I've watched that I would actually tell people like, oh, you should watch that. It looks really good. It's called The Platform on Netflix. <gasps> I saw yes, that so yes. good, so good. Yeah. The movie kind of just throws you right into everything, and the whole yeah. thing I was just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> it was it's a trippy movie. Um, it is. Yeah, to give you guys like a brief, just like what it's about. It's literally like this. Um, this guy kind of like voluntarily goes into this. All I can say is like a prison, like yeah, and like each person has like the prison mate or whatever and there's different levels and there's like this giant massive tray of food that goes down to feed everybody on each level and that's it and it starts at the top and it goes all the way down to the bottom but it's like this one tray of food and it's not like tiny it's like oh my god like this is a buffet like it's like it's huge it's a platform yeah the platform yeah there we go guys putting we're putting the puzzle pieces together <laughs> <laughs> exactly and it's um it's pretty interesting it's in the original language i believe it's in um spanish yeah, yeah it's 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 if it's from spain like you can hear the accent yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I so, agree. um it's pretty good i definitely recommend it it's kind of like uh dark oh yeah yeah it's not like terror i feel like it could have been darker but not saying I, I want to horror movie, like, yeah. Like, yeah, we've seen darker movies but like it's it's definitely dark it's very like it's interesting it's entertaining it makes you just think like what is it just makes you think like what is going on like what are you what are these people gonna do like yeah i liked it a lot but, yeah it was great that's a great great suggestion i i was yeah now i forgot my recommendation because now i'm so hyped about like the platform it's such a good movie like the commentary mm -hmm. on like just social commentary psychological i think it was just phenomenally done honestly oh, yeah. it was yeah. really really good um and, like how just how it? people are i was saying it just speaks a little bit on like how people are just like yeah i definitely agree i couldn't eat for like three <laughs> days after watching it i was like like i have a very soft stomach so I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. No, yeah, I so good though. I was yeah. eating while I was watching it and then I just put my pizza down. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just have that later. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Um, I, so I would definitely say that that's my recommendation too. I have to like jump on that bad, Megan. I agree with oh, yeah. that. Um, something I did watch though that I wasn't sure that I would like, um, but actually ended up liking was Bridgerton. I've heard things about it. On Netflix. Um, I actually heard about it. Um, and so one of my coworkers told me about it and I was like, oh, you know, it's honestly, to give you guys a synopsis, it's basically like Gossip Girl, but for 1813. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Yeah, Shonda Rhimes. Yup, yup. It was so, it was actually, I wasn't expecting to really like it, but I really did. My favorite part of it, or yeah, my favorite part I would say is that they took like very modern day songs like Thank You Next by Ariana Grande and stuff like that. And so they have scenes where there's like balls and they play it on like classically, like with classical music. I love that. And that's, it's so, I was like, whoever thought of this, chef's kiss. It's such <laughs> a genius idea. Like I love the way that they integrated like the modern day, but so it just, it fit right in. Like you don't notice it. But like you're like wait this sounds really familiar and then you're like oh my god thank you <laughs> like oh god, out of nowhere <laughs> yeah like they play with like violins and stuff like it's so well done like that part i was like this is so i was like whoever thought of this like i said it was so interesting to kind of incorporate the two eras together like it i don't know for me personally i thought it was really really good like the casting was good like i liked that 
they kind of disturbed the racial, I guess, like historical. I saw that, um, yeah. Like instead of having the queen be like white and stuff like that, like she was a person of color. And it was like something that was so normalized in the community that they lived in. I really appreciated that kind of commentary, like the subtle commentary of that. Um, I can go on for days, but I will not hold you guys <laughs> too much that I have to recommend, but yeah. So before we go on another tangent about that, um, thank you again to Shauna and Twin for joining us this episode. Uh, join us next time we'll have another guest and talk more about our experiences and what to expect. Um, check us out on Twitter and on Instagram at artists without a clue, all one word, lowercase, you know, don't worry about anything else. And Anisha and Nigeria, thank you again for joining. Always great to talk to you. Thanks guys for listening. See you next time. <laughs>